You're listening to Legally Bliss Conversations. This podcast reclaims and rewrites the stories female attorneys have been told about how we should practice law, grow our businesses, treat our clients, treat ourselves, and craft our identities as female attorneys. We'll hear inspiring stories from current and former female attorneys, the ones who question the stories they've been told, the ones who aren't afraid to live boldly and step into their own power. We'll learn from women who define success on their terms. Through lighthearted and curious conversation, we'll unpack the challenges these inspiring female attorneys have already navigated. So join me on this journey. You'll be empowered and ready to rewrite a completely new story about what is possible for you. Welcome everyone to Legally Bliss Conversations. I would love to welcome Miss Melissa Caballero-Alton. Melissa is a lawyer mom of three and the founder of The Objectional Mom. A Cuban-American and South Florida native, she launched her own law firm when her firstborn was only two months old. She now runs her own law practice together with her husband, who is also a lawyer. You might need to dig into that in a minute. Although she has always valued and prioritized self-care, 2020's COVID-19 pandemic forced a new perspective on her and her family as it did so many others. It was during the long days and those sleepless nights of being quarantined at home with three small children while managing virtual school, a law practice, meals, laundry, and everything in between that Melissa realized how limited resources are for working moms. Despite the already emotionally and mentally exhausting side effects of practicing law, there's little to no recognition or outside support for lawyer moms who are struggling to finding to find a happy and realistic work-life balance. Melissa started the Objectional Mom. So make sure you check out her Instagram. It's so fun. As a way to connect with other lawyer moms, working moms, and moms who feel overwhelmed at home, unhappy in their career choices, and dissatisfied with the unrealistic expectations placed on moms both at work and at home. Through her honest storytelling and supportive approach, the objectional mom encourages working moms to vent and share what they're experiencing so that our conversations can continue to enlighten and embolden other working moms to do the same. And through those shared experiences, be brave enough to fight for more. I am so happy and excited to hang out with you. Thank you. Likewise, likewise, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you today. Yeah. So why did you go to law school? (laughs) (laughs) It's like the million dollar question. I feel like, right. Like, I mean, in retrospect, so, you know, and I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to be so harsh on the legal profession right away, but, um, you know, I always wanted to be, I wanted to be a broadcast journalist. That was my thing. I was a communications major in college. I did a little bit of radio. I, you know, interned with a newspaper locally. Um, and then that dream died when <laughs> I got to know real life journalists and realized they had no consistency. Their, their life was really hectic at that time. And when we're talking about like the early um, you know, 2000s and whatnot. I mean, not early 2000s, but around that time, 2007 and whatnot. So social media wasn't the way it is now because I know that's impacted journalism a lot. Um, but case in point, I ended up, um, I was in Tallahassee. I went to Florida State University and um, the benefit of being there is that all the politicians are there during session making laws and whatnot. 
not. And I had the opportunity to work for a lobbying firm with the, you know, basically to watch the politicians do what they do in the capital of our state. And I was in awe and amazed at it. And then what I noticed that a lot of the politicians had in common was that they were all lawyers first. And so, right, because, you know, that follows the traditional path of, you know, them becoming a politician and then, you know, president, right? <laughs> so, um, so I thought, okay, maybe law school is a good fit for me because I was love like speaking and I loved writing and reading. So I thought, I think this is going to be good and, and, you know, open a lot of doors for me, right? And so that is why I went to law school. And so after I graduated, I, you know, I, I was already working at a law firm there in Tallahassee just to sort of get my feet wet and see what it was all about. And I liked it. And, um, and so I, I, I went to law school and then I got a job litigating and then I fell into litigation sort of in that way as well, because, you know, it's one of those things where you're brand new lawyer and you're like okay you want to hire me to do something sure i'll you know, i'll do whatever you want and it's so, hard to and say again, no right exactly and again i just wanted work right um like everyone in every profession and so um it just so happened to be litigation and again it, also a good fit for me because i have no problem public speaking and and things like that in court people are like how can you argue all the time i'm like uh, I don't see it like that. I just see it as presenting one side of the coin and the other side presents their side. I've never liked the nastiness of anything like that. But funny enough, you know, fast forward 10 years, which is where I'm at now, this is my 10th year practicing and I'm completely winding down all the litigation because I am, I feel so burnt out. I'm like, this is, I don't know how people do it. I don't know how people do it for, for that long. And there's been a lot of other changes in my career as well like i went on my own as you mentioned in the intro once you know i became a mom i was like you know what um my former boss had already told me i was never going to be partner so you know in in the sweet way that lawyers and lawyer bosses like to speak sometimes to you to their associates um he was like great associate but yeah exactly i'm sure every lawyer has a story right oh. of, of that they worked with yeah exactly and so I was like, okay, so what am I doing? You know, so I went on my own and I've been on my own ever since. And that, that has helped. I will say like, if there's any lawyers out there that are considering leaving the law entirely, especially women after starting a family. Um, I mean, you know what, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I think there's a lot of studies that have been done, especially within the last few years of why women are leaving the law. And um, a lot of it has to do with the fact that they're just not, accelerating in these big law firms, medium law firms, what have you, in the way the men are. And so you start to think, why is that? Is it because we are moms? Is it because we do take on the caretaker duties because we want to pick up the kids because we want to go to our kids, you know, shows because we want to be more involved with their schools and the community. And so, but the reality is these studies, I mean, it's like hard data, I'm not making it up, but the, these studies are showing that it is affecting our growth in our professional careers. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a lot of different factors. I think a lot of it has to do with law firms and the sort of the nastiness that comes with law firms sometimes. Um, and the way law firms are structured with, you know, billable hour requirements and things like that. So it's interesting. It's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated by all that and appalled at the same time. Right. Because I'm like, what the, we should have the same opportunities, you know, like just because I couldn't make it to your boy's lunch for two hours or the happy hour every single night, you know, it doesn't mean I should be left out of these 
opportunities to work on the bigger cases and um, to make partner and things like that. So, um, you know. Yeah, I wish I had that answer for all of this. And I am talking with a lot of women who are very similarly situated um, to you, right? Where they had to make those decisions or they've had to make those decisions in their career, right? Do I go to ballet practice tonight or the recital? Or do I go to this networking event, right? And moms, they do what they have to do, right? And they, they go to, they do what they want to do at the end of the day. Um, they go to ballet recital. And, um, you know, we're often the ones who are cooking dinner at home at night, right? And we have the children clean and ready. <laughs> we have the dinner ready for the husbands when they come home. 100%, yeah. Right? Yeah. So sometimes I'm like, have we really stepped out of 1950s? I, I don't know. And I think that we have worked so hard and feminists have worked so hard to, you know, help Pave women. the way for us. Yes, absolutely. Pave the way for us to then get there, get to that, you know, open door and be like, mm, actually, never mind. I just kind of just want to go home <laughs> and make dinner. And yeah. it's, Can I just go home and make dinner? Yeah. And <laughs> yes. And listen, I always, I call myself a feminist all day, every day. Um, I read Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg. I highly recommend it for every like professional mom. It is a working mom dilemma. It is a lawyer mom dilemma for sure. And I obviously, because I'm a lawyer and I'm a mom, I focus on lawyer moms more than other, you know, professions. And that's why I started the objectionable mom during the pandemic, because I was like, there is a serious problem here. And I just started seeing it so much in this pattern of every single woman lawyer mom that I would meet um, whether online through objectionable mom or even before that, and you know, my work life, personal life, everyone was going through these same issues that their male counterparts are not experiencing, you know? And it's like, why do we have to give up on our dreams of owning our big law firm and also being able to be with the kids and, you know, or excelling in that big law uh, structure environment, right? Um, and become partner there. And then also be able to have my weekends with my kids, you know, because I don't have to bill 3000 hours a month or whatever they have to do. You know, it's insane. I mean, it's, there's so much demanded of them. And then with the pandemic, there was forget, like, you know, giving grace to families or parents, working parents, you know, it was like, nope, exactly what you need to bill at the office. You have to bill at home. It's, I mean, so to me, it is a very much, uh, sort of systematic problem in law offices and the law office culture. And that's what I think needs to change, you know, because I don't know if I would have gone to law school if I had known how it is in real life. And I think a lot of people think that. I think a lot of lawyer women can agree with that. I hope, I mean, you know, so it's, um, it, it's interesting, but we can't stop having these conversations, right? And talking about it and, and making sure that we are recognizing it, you know, because so many times we're part of the, the, the problem, right? Um, by just being like, oh, well, it's the way it is. It's always been that way and it's never going to change. And it's like, what? <laughs> so that's it, you know? So we're just going to keep letting all these super talented, bright, hardworking women leave these law firms, you know? And then the representation goes down for women. Um, you know, all you see at the top, it's the same thing. It's like, the white male partners, white male partners, white male partners. That's all it is. Maybe one woman. Yeah. It's like 
you know, our, our Mel. And it's like, when, when I graduated from law school, it was the first year that it was 51% women and 49% men. And this was in 2003. So that's pretty awesome, right? <laughs> but it's nothing has changed. Like nothing has changed. I haven't seen a lot of changes at the law firm level when it comes but to that's Exactly. So these studies that the American Bar Association have done, I think they did one in 2019. Um, I don't think they've done since the pandemic. So I'm sure with the pandemic, it's even worse. But in 2019, they did a study. And that's the thing. I think more women are actually going to law school and graduating from law school than men. But then when you compare that, you know, let's say 15 years out and see the disparity in the partners at law firms, it nothing to do because somewhere along the way, the women are like, you know what? Never mind. I'm just gonna <laughs> never, never mind. I'm out of here. Switch careers completely. And, you know, and again, the, you know, the feminist in me is like, no, we have to like honor what our, um, the generations before us did for us, you know, but at the same time, why sacrifice so much for a profession or a law office or a work environment that doesn't recognize your value? Oh Yeah. I think yeah. family is so important, you know, and I, I, it saddens me to see, you know, women who like kind of give up on that dream, like the dream also of having a family because it's almost impossible. It's, it's very difficult. I'm not going to say it's impossible, right? Because women do it, but it's so hard to have that balance. So let me ask you, I'm curious when you were at, okay, so you were at your, you're at a law firm for how many years? Um, it was, I, I was practicing at different law firms for about, I mean, really like two, three years. I was at, at a law firm for two years and then I had, I got pregnant and had my first son. Okay. And then you started your own practice. Correct. So yes. I'm curious, like, what did you take? Um, like, what did you learn from working in a law firm? Like, what did you take to your solo practice? I'll call it your solo practice. I guess you're working with your husband, but like, what, like, what did you learn from there and how, what kind of changes did you implement in your solo practice? So, um, as, as an associate, right, because I was very young still, I was, you know, had only been practicing for about three years when I started my firm. Um, it's really more, yeah, it was just the legal stuff. Um, so because I was an associate. Now the benefit was that it was a small law firm. So it was literally just me and my boss was the other attorney and I'm bilingual, I speak Spanish, my boss did not. So a lot of the cases, the case was entirely on me. Um, so exactly, so it was, um, I, and that also means that when things went great, it was like, yay, I, you know, I did receive recognition, but when things went really bad or anyone made a mistake, it sort of was always my fault, you know? So you learn things like that, like how to be accountable for yourself and how to uh, make sure you're crossing your T's, dotting your I's on everything that's legally related. But going on your own, I mean, and that's something that I wish law, for, law schools did more to cure and to offer the students is how to actually manage and operate a business because you have no idea how to do that until you're doing it. Um, so the accounting, how to open up a trust account, how to manage a trust account, um, like those things, which is terrifying, which when you're in law school, they're like, everyone's license gets taken away because they mismanage funds or commingled funds. Like that is super scary when you're actually handing your clients money. You're like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Today's the day that I'm going to lose my license, you know? So you freak out always. So 
Um, it, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like working for law firms, they try, they, they take care of all that, of all the administrative stuff, but you learn so much and grow so much as a person and as a professional when you have to do it. And when you really have to manage your accounts and do things like, um, uh, bookkeeping, following up with your clients when they don't pay your invoices, things like that marketing. Um, you know, I love the marketing aspect of, marketing our law firm and stuff. And it's still very small. It's still just me and my husband, you know, we had help, but of course, pandemic, you know, we've had to downsize a little bit, but it's been, it, it's amazing to work with him too. And, and bring him in. I sort of begged him to quit his steady law firm job. And I'm like, please come help me. And so, but, and then like three months later, I got pregnant with our third baby. And so that was a nice curveball for us. Cause I was like, Oh, I mean, you're still having sex with him. So that's great. Right? <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, to be honest, I would have gone for four if he hadn't shut it down, but he was like, <laughs> I'm turning 40 and I don't want to have another baby after 40. I'm like, oh, come on. But we make such cute kids. But yeah, also yeah. I would like to like sleep again at some point. So I, <laughs> so I, we're good with three. It's, it's a lot. It's a it's, full house. Well, I'm sure. Yeah. And having them all at home, right. During the pandemic. So do you have any, I've talked to a few other women who have husbands who are lawyers and that they actually work with their husbands. So that's kind of interesting. Do you have any advice? for women who are working with their husbands who, who happen to be lawyers as well. Let's take a quick pause for a message from my sponsor, Prominent Practice. Are you thinking about a career transition from big law or partnership to a solo practice, selling your practice, or maybe you're launching a project unrelated to law? Whatever the reason for your transition, you'll need support along the way. Enter Prominent Practice, an executive consulting and marketing firm specializing in branding, positioning, and reputation management for transitioning attorneys. Founded by a female entrepreneur who spent a decade building smart digital platforms for thought leaders before pivoting to focus on high-end service providers who were preparing for successions, mergers, and acquisition events in their businesses. If you're thinking about making a big business move, don't risk losing the ability to leverage the reputation you've spent your career building. Let Prominent Practice be your guide. Visit prominentpractice.com slash blist for an exclusive introduction. Yeah, I think um, there's the traditional, I guess, piece of advice is always try to leave work at the office. Don't, you know, once you get home, it's like about the kids and about you guys personally. We always, we do a lot together. Um, because Like we watch shows together. I know not every couple does that, but we love watching like TV shows at night. Like once the kids are asleep, we're like, let's get at least like an episode of something together in. And then just so we can decompress together. Yes. And then we also do that. We make time to, I'm very fortunate that I have my mom here um, locally. So she will like last, like this past weekend, we went to like a food and wine festival, like just me and him and like adults and had a great time. And it was like our date night, adults night out. And it was perfect. And so I think, and we're trying to plan a trip to go away together without the kids, you know, like, and my mom will thankfully like, she'll stay with them and take care of them. So that is so important. I know people hire babysitters and stuff, but honestly, like you have to reconnect with each other as a couple. And that goes 
the same for when you're parenting together and when you're working together, you know, because otherwise you're just managing each other, pointing out each other's mistakes. I mean, trust me, it gets difficult sometimes. I, I won't lie, you know, because he won't do something in the style that I want it or, you know, I'm he tells me to do something 15 times and I forget because I get distracted and I go do 20 other things, you know, and then I'm like, oh yeah, you know? And so, um, but it's, it's the best setup for us because our kids are little and because it gives us the most flexibility to be able to, you know, divide up the tasks of the kids and who picks up one, one day and who gets to stay at the office late another day and like that. So, um, and we're at the end of the day, we're working for the same thing, you know, for the benefit of our family and, and growing that business. Yeah, exactly. And together we've, it's given us an opportunity to also like brainstorm more that we want to do together, like other side ventures and things like that. So um, it just makes you realize how powerful you can be as a team. So if you know, you have that kind of relationship with your partner, I think absolutely explore that. Yeah, that's, that's huge. I love that. And I love just that, like you said, I mean, it's, it is pretty popular advice, you know, to try to leave that at home. Do you notice yourself though, like ever wanting to talk legal? Oh my God, a hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. I'm like, oh, so-and-so paid this invoice. And what do you think we should do about this? And, and how do you feel about this? But again, we have very different styles too. Um, he is much more calm and chill and uh, <laughs> passive, I guess. And I, I'm not aggressive, but I'm a little bit more like, okay, let's plan this out. And then what are we going to do? And then let's, let's write it down and then let's do it and let's start right now. And then, <laughs> and so he sort of reins me in. Yes. He reins me in. So that helps a lot. Um, so it, it's a really good balance. It's a good counter to, to me. And, and I feel like I calm him down when he starts stressing out about things and vice versa. So that's good. <laughs> what area of the law do y'all practice? So my background is, is like the commercial litigation stuff, which I'm, I'm winding down. I have a few cases and then that's it. I don't plan on taking that anymore. And then his background, he comes from the transactional side. So he does all the business contracts and stuff like that, which is great because that's what we're now focusing on is trying to do corporate um, documents, contract drafting, reviewing, and get into trademarks and things like that too. So yeah, those are... Fun you can control that a lot more, right? Yeah. You can, as yeah. opposed to like litigation where you're kind of at the whims of so, so many other factors but when you're doing more of the corporate transaction stuff. Um, yeah. You can, you know, you, if you know that you're going to be gone for a week, it's so much easier to just go ahead and handle everything the week before. It's right. So, like, no so emergency motions. Yeah. Nothing yeah. is dependent on the judge's mood that day or how, uh, you know, vicious the other side is, things like that. I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm completely burnt out. I am done <laughs> with the litigation side and, and I just, I'm, I'm ready for a change. So, so you have the objectional mom, your Instagram page, and you have a website as well. And again, um, whoever's listening, please go follow her on Instagram. It like, I feel like if like life is so serious, it can be so serious, but the thing that I love about your Instagram page, it is you're taking kind of like these, this seriousness of like the pandemic and balancing motherhood and children, and you're making it, you're making it a little more lighthearted. And I think that's amazing because there's so many people who can relate to that, right? Like they can look at that, like, 
oh my gosh, I'm not the only person who is like, you know, <clears throat> drafting emotion in one, you know, with one hand and like trying to change the baby with another, right? Like, so yes, exactly. I think that it makes you so relatable. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Is, that is definitely the goal. <laughs> yeah. Do you have like any type of goal or vision with kind of this brand that you're developing with the objectionable mom? Yes. I mean, so when I started it, it, it was a creative outlet for me um, because I found myself very feeling very lonely, which I feel like a lot of moms yeah. did, especially in the beginning of pandemic, because it felt like everything came to a halt and um, owning a business, which is a law firm. And then also having to teach the kids at school, at, at home, virtual learning, keeping the kids from killing each other here because, you know, there's three of them and two of us. And then- uh, <laughs> don't kill each other. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm like, oh my God, you guys. And then keeping them entertained and also sane and fed and bathed and clean. And, you know, just everything that, because when you're used to working outside of your home and when you're used to taking the kids to daycare, preschool, wherever it is that they're going, you fall into this pattern where, okay, you get your time when you're driving to the office, when you're at the office where you get to be your own person. And the pandemic really took that away. And you just became everybody else's and you belonged to everyone else, to your kids, to your husband, to your house, to your work, to whatever it was. And you didn't have any time for yourself. And so what helped me was just getting outside, walking, being in the sunshine and, and just thinking and having time. And then I realized, you know, I was like, I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels like this. So that was really the goal of the objectionable mom was to create this space for other specifically lawyer moms to come and be like, wow, I feel seen. Like, I'm not the only one, like she's going through this too. That happened to me the other day. And you know, that happened to me during a hearing and that's right. I had a horrible experience with an opposing counsel that treated me like a, you know, a jerk, whatever it was. So um, I, that's really that space because I didn't see lawyer moms identified in that way online, right. On social media. And so with that, I also created a Facebook group, um, which the link is in my bio on my Instagram page, um, for any lawyer moms that want to join. And that is also a, a place for recommendations, whether you're looking for locally for a recommendation for a sitter, or you need to refer a case to an attorney in a different state, or you just want to vent about going back to work after being on maternity leave for three months with your newborn who was born during the pandemic. All of that can be discussed there. And everyone's a lawyer mom. I mean, there's judges on there, the judge moms, you know, I mean, everything. So it's just, it's a really great place to exchange ideas and just feel like you're not alone, or at least remind yourself like, Hey, you're not going through this by yourself. So, um, the goal is to continue growing objectionable mom and continue providing that. Uh, and hopefully with the conversation going and continuing in that way, we can help more lawyer moms, uh, see themselves in, in what everyone's going through and, and find that space. Who do you think, Melissa, has influenced you the most? Like, I feel like you have such an inspirational story on your own. So I'm just curious, like, who, who's inspired you? Oh, um, I'm like, can I say Ruth Bader Ginsburg? You can say anyone <laughs> you know, want. Right? <laughs> right? Like, I mean, yes, I love her story and I love that she fought so much for us. I mean, it goes back to what we were talking about, that prior generation fighting for our rights for us to just be like, no, I'm just going to sit in my loungewear and 
I know exactly. Which um, sounds so bad sometimes. <laughs> and make reels on Instagram. <laughs> right. All day. <laughs> no, listen, I mean, I was very fortunate to um, grow up with a sort of non-conventional mom. Um, my mom, you know, she wasn't a single mom. I can't say she's a single mom because my, her and my dad split when I was like six years old, but my dad has always been in the picture. So my dad was also not a conventional dad in the sense that he always like cooked for himself, cleaned for himself, did his own laundry. So I had a, an example of a very self-sufficient, like feminist, right? Dad, mm -hmm. if you will. And then my mom was always like, I'm not taking crap from anybody. I don't care if I don't speak English. I am going to get to the highest position I can in this company and work every single day and just, you know, do what I want to do and what I think is right. And so uh, I was very fortunate to have them both sort of present these great uh, role models for me. And, you know, as an only child, it was just they're immigrants from Cuba. So it's just it's inspiring to think about how far they came, you know, with what little they had. So. And I feel like the least I can do is do the same and just go as far as I can, you know, with what I have. Sure, sure. That's the goal. So if you look back at young little um, <laughs> Melissa growing up, did you grow up in, in Florida? Probably had cute like little pigtails. Um, if you could like give her a piece of advice, um, knowing what you know now, what would you tell her? Mm. You know, it's funny because I have a daughter and I have two boys and my youngest is the girl. And everyone's like, of course, she's like a fireball because she's the youngest of three and she has two older brothers. But like, that doesn't even, that doesn't even do it justice of how wild she is. Like, she is just like, will scream and kick and like do whatever she needs to, to get what she wants. And I don't know if I'm just so tired at this point because it's, you know, she's the third one. So I'm just like, whatever, just give her whatever she wants. She's two and a half. And so I know she's not even like, exactly. She's not even like a teenager or anything yet. She's tiny. She's like this little tyrant. But, um, I, I think of her and, and I just always think I'm like, never, ever lose that spirit. Like, I hope that the world doesn't like crush her or make her insecure or give her doubts and things like that. And that's probably the same advice I'd give myself, you know, because you go through experiences as, as women, especially that, you know, make you insecure and, and somehow define or change the way you think about certain things. And, and I, I hope for my daughter and what I would tell myself is the same thing. Just keep that spirit and just keep going and do what you think is right and fight for what you want you know whether it's women's equality at work or you know a family that is safe and fed and you know you can provide for them doing what you love um that i i that's what i would tell them that's what i would tell her what okay so let me ask you this this is i've been playing around with this a little bit in my head um i don't have children i am an auntie of three i love children but <laughs> don't know if i love the idea of parenting i commend you <laughs> I'm, but I'm still, I'm still playing with this. Um, what if your daughter came to you and she's like 22 and she's like, mom, I went to college. I want to get married and I want to have a family and I don't want to work. Like I want to, I want to be a, a stay at home, <laughs> air quotes, stay at home mom. Right. Like I'm sitting here. I just want people to understand that like 
that's where the hardest jobs are around, right? And one of the oh my god, a hundred percent most thankless jobs, the most, you know, it should be the highest paid job, but it is what it is. Like, what if she came up to you and said that when she, when you're, when she's like 22, right. And 20 years from now, um, I don't want to further my education anymore. Like I want to marry Billy, you know, he's proposed to me and he wants me to stay at home and take care of the children. And we want like this lifestyle that's like very, very traditional, like, you know, let's harken back yeah. to like before, you know, the sixties and the seventies and eighties right. and all of that that we, we went through. What would you say to her? You know, I would make sure she understands what a privilege it is to be able to do that. Um, you know, because if she's under the circumstance, because so many women have to work because we have to, because our par- partners don't make enough to, you know, it's, um, supply for everyone, right. Don't make enough for for us to be able to stay at home and not work and not contribute to the household or they're single moms or, you know, widowed. I mean, God forbid, whatever it is. Right. Um, so I would make sure she understands the privilege of being able to, to do that. So she doesn't take it for granted, but I would also try to ingrain in her the understanding that happiness does not come from being a mom or being a wife or staying at home or working in an office or working for yourself or working for a company. Happiness, in my opinion, it comes from doing what you love and what makes you, you. So if she identifies with that about staying at home and raising a family, there's nothing wrong with that. But I would still remind her to make time for having a hobby, for doing something that she can grow, something that she can um, learn from, right? Uh, gardening, writing, journaling, um, podcasting, like whatever it is that makes her happy because someday those kids are going to be gone. Someday those kids are no longer going to live with you. They grow up and they go out and they live their own lives. That's how you know that you've succeeded as a mom because you've made independent children that have their own lives, right? That's my opinion of what makes, um, you know, mothering successful, right? Being a parent successful. So, one day she's not going to have that. It seems so far away, but you know, 18 years flies by in the blink of an eye. So I would make sure she understands that. So she also keeps a part of herself um, nourished and continues growing and developing her own sort of mental, emotional state in that way. Like I said, whether it's through a hobby like gardening or writing or, you know, running, whatever it is that makes her feel like it's, she's doing something for herself. I think that that is a beautiful piece of advice that could go for any woman, right? Like I just, yeah, I think absolutely. yeah, yeah. That's why. Cause it's about like, well, you never listen. I mean, I don't know if I know myself better now than I did five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. I feel like every day I'm learning something new about myself, about the world, about my family. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, but I also don't stop. I'm always, you know, discovering something and trying new things. And I think that's really where the magic happens. And it's not necessarily as part of being a lawyer or being a mom or being a wife, you know, sometimes it's things completely on my own. My husband hates running and is not like a person that exercise, but I love it. So I try to, you know, I run a few times a week and I write and I like doing all these things that are only for me, you know, because I know that at some point my kids are going to be grown and they're going to be gone from here. And then 
it, that's great. That's what I want, right? I mean, <laughs> my husband and I will hopefully be able to travel the world, but I want to know that I also developed myself in that time. Yeah, yeah. Parenting, I guess, you know, it is about helping your children grow those wings, right? So they can ultimately, ultimately, ultimately fly on their own. And like, it's scary to think about that, but like you said, that's, that, that's a success story, you know? Exactly. 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 I think, I think that's the goal, you know, is to know that you created a, a, a nice kind person who's independent. We've kind of touched on this. I, I know that you're transitioning out of litigation into more corporate work and you're wanting to grow the objectionable mom. Um, first of all, like what, what do you see like next for you in your career? Um, and I want people to be able to find you on, on social media. Yeah. So for my career with our law firm, I mean, I, I, I want to grow beyond just me and my husband because I want to be able to not be on call all the time. Right now we're sort of in a weird space where it's me doing all the marketing and then also bringing all the clients and, and billing and doing everything. So I, you know, I want to grow the law firm in that sense in the traditional sense of a law firm of hiring staff and whatnot. So we can disconnect and do more of these other things that we have going on, like the objectionable mom. And with the objectionable mom, I, my goal is to write a book that will hopefully resonate with other lawyer moms that, you know, see themselves in the stories and sort of snippets and, and things that have happened to me that I think they can really relate. And not just things that have happened to me as a lawyer mom, but just as a new associate as, you know, starting my business and all of that. So that is the goal for lawyer mom. So I'll definitely keep you posted on that. And yeah, for now, I mean, it, it's really just following and supporting the objectionable mom on Instagram. That's where I'm usually hanging out. But then if there's any lawyer moms that want to join the Facebook group, absolutely. Like I said, there's a link in the bio page of at the objectionable mom on Instagram. This has been so much fun, Melissa. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I've had such a great time learning more about you and um, about your journey and your, your goals. I think it sounds amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And I think this is totally valuable work, what you're doing. So thank you for connecting the legal community like this. Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today on Legally Bliss Conversations. If you love this episode and you want to hang out with other inspiring and light gold female attorneys, be sure to join the Legally Bliss community at legallyblissed.com. And be sure to follow me on Instagram at Susie Nixon. See you next time.